And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and real grateful to be involved in your life as we explain life from a Christian point of view. Uh, that's what we're doing every single week here at Warp and Woof Radio. This particular week, we have a real great uh, time uh, available for us. We're going to be talking with Kamish uh, Nunley from Helping or Healing Hurts, Healing Hidden Hurts, and we're looking forward to having her on the program in the second hour. Uh, Dr. Clyde Posley and I will be co-hosting this particular show, and we have uh, all kinds of great things going on in the future as well. We've got Ashley Gervitz from Eastern Star coming in next week, looking forward to her presence with us, and uh, we have all kinds of folks lined up actually into the month of March, looking forward to all of that. As we do every week, we introduce Cominius. Comenius is the name of John Amos Comenius, famous Moravian pastor from the 16th century who actually believed women should be educated and everybody should be educated according to the way that they learn. This is a fantastic idea and one that we really believe in at Comenius. Comenius also believed in something called pan-Sophie. Uh, we get our encyclopedia from such things. And the idea is that there is wisdom throughout all of the earth. This wisdom throughout all the earth comes from Colossians 1.17, by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. And that's the idea behind the uh, basis for our radio show, Warp and Woof, which is actually my website, warpandwoof.org. And that concept of Warp and Woof is vertical and horizontal threads that make fabric, and that wholeness then, of course, from a Christian vantage point is seen in that way from our perspective. So in this particular show today, we're going to be talking about the whole person and the importance of that. And when we come back after a song, we are going to uh, take up these issues about God's investment in whole people and psychology and how we think differently as Christians from a Christian vantage point. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site, and we will be right back. We are back, Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site, and today... Dr. Clyde Posley and I are going to be discussing what does it mean to be whole people, this concept of uh, a wedding of theology and psychology, helping us to think differently about life. Uh, doctor, good morning to you. Great to have you on the show. As always, the uh, opportunity to be uh, co-hosting with you now is just a real pleasure. Thanks so much for being here and uh, participating in the project. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, HB. How's everybody out there in, in listening Internet radio land. I'm, I'm delighted to be here this morning, and, and as we, and as usual, we have uh, another topic that's about bringing cultures together, bridging the gap of diversity, using theology and the and the, the Word of God and the Body of Christ uh, to make sure that that our human existence is enhanced. We I don't think we could have a better topic than the one we have today. No, that's great. This is uh, actually something that we've been uh, discussing on a regular basis throughout actually the two years that we've been here at Warp and Woof, and I know that uh, a number of other programs have actually spun off of this one uh, after folks have actually been here on, on the radio show. But the very first question that we wanted to deal with here in this first segment is how has God spoken both in his word and in creation to help us in this life? And you and I both, I think, are committed to this same concept of interdisciplinarity, this idea that there is a, an intersection, uh, an integration, a synthesis of all things. And again, as I suggested early, just as we were coming in on the show, 
the Colossians 1.17, by him are all things held together. By mm-hmm. Jesus, That's right. all things are held together. And so this intersection uh, between God's word and his world is important for us to negotiate and emphasize to folks. I, I, I agree. We, we You know, uh, there is a powerful passage in the book of uh, Colossians, how, how things are kept together by him. And, and it, it, it kind of locks in the answer at the same time. When we, when we see the world slipping apart, when we see um, the manifestations of um, the ne- uh, what, how, how we've neglected mental health in society, how the church, quite frankly, has in many ways neglected mental, uh, mental health, we right. see uh, how the divides are happening, how the separation mm-hmm. is happening. You know, uh, uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 26 and verse 3 says, He will keep thee in perfect mm-hmm. peace, mm-hmm. he whose mind mm-hmm. is stayed on him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't believe it would be a big stretch to mm-hmm. be able to, to, to look around uh, television, to look around how we uh, treat our fellow man in many instances, how nations fight, um, and just how we, our uh, some of the racial divides in general, mm-hmm. that our minds could not be on God. Mm-hmm behaving some of the ways that we're doing toward our fellow man. Absolutely. I love that passage, Isaiah 26, 3. That mm-hmm. It's one of those doublets in Hebrew where it says, Shalom, Shalom, perfect peace. So there's mm-hmm. this doublet mm-hmm. of, of the word uh, exactly there, right. which is really just makes it that much more powerful. When we talk about this uh, in terms of uh, intersection between the word and the world, uh, talking about spiritual guidance, uh, the issue of Proverbs uh, for us always needs to come up, and I wanted to read a couple of verses here to, to start us off okay. uh, to highlight what it is that we're thinking about here. Uh, listen to the advice and accept instruction. This is from Proverbs 19, mm-hmm. verses 20 and 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. There it is right there. And our commitment, yours and mine, we started this program with this uh, concept in mind this year, uh, and that is that we are both committed to biblical authority, that our focus is always going to come from the Scriptures. Absolutely. 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 Um, uh, In the Scriptures only uh, do we have hope. Mm. uh, we live in a world today where the the, the word of God is constantly under siege mm-hmm. um, from atheist uh, assaults, and 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 there are even unfortunately branches uh, within Christianity who are trying to take Scripture and make it mean something to fit an agenda. That's right. They say, they say yep. it that way. We want to take the Scripture and fit an agenda, but the word of God is quick, it's sharp, two edged sword. Uh, cutting the Bible says in Hebrews, even asunder to the soul and the mm-hmm. spirit, and it is the discerner mm-hmm. of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've we've got to get to the place where we, uh, if we're going to call ourselves Christian, or we're committed to true Christianity, that the Word of God mm-hmm. becomes the rule. Mm-hmm. And here it is in this particular passage. We're supposed to listen. And one of my favorite Hebrew words, Shema, uh, the idea that we are supposed to be not just hearing the words and understanding the words, but also doing something with the words. Right. It has that threefold meaning. And then, of course, the heart. And this is where we get after the whole person. In Hebrew, the heart literally meant will, emotion, intellect, everything that makes us up. And mm-hmm. so when we read the word heart in First Testament teaching, it's the wholeness of the individual. And so when we talk about this, the concept of um, psychology, the hidden hurts that people have, the kinds of issues that we uh, discuss, 
as, as it relates to how people interact with each other, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things come out of the heart. The intentions of the heart come out of um, out of our mouths, actually. Mm-hmm. And what That's we right. are concerned about, of course, is how right. we react to the right. Word of God and how that impacts us in in our interior. Right. It, you know, in, in the in in the, also in the Book of Proverbs, uh, one one of a very familiar passage to some people, Proverbs three, four, and five. To tr- we, we are to trust in the Lord. Listen to this. He says, with all our heart. Mm-hmm. And he then he gives us instructions as to how to do it. Lean not mm. to your own understanding. <laughs> how do you find yourself leaning not to your own understanding? By In all your ways, by acknowledging him. Mm. And what is the fruit of that? What's the result? The passage mm-hmm. tells us the result. And he mm-hmm. will direct your path. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a world today that, that many people feel hopeless, like they, they feel uh, rudderless, like they don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, if you, if you look at the exegesis of that passage, it has to do going back even to what you said at the beginning. We we, we don't take instruction from the God who put us here, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make sense to be on earth mm-hmm. or as 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 we focus be to be a Christian mm-hmm. and to not take instruction mm-hmm. from the person to whom you pledged allegiance. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like deciding I'll take this job. But I won't use the policy manual. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go to this grocery store, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to buy any of their food. I'm just, <laughs> that, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. And so we we find ourselves uh, mm-hmm. members of the body of Christ uh, often short circuit their ability to do ministry mm-hmm. because they find themselves in in these theological deficits mm-hmm. and emotional deficits, mm-hmm. and in many instances. Struggling with mental deficits, yeah. all three, but if they're not trusting in God, mm. they have all of the storms that go with mm. mental deficits without God's help, mm-hmm. emotional deficits without God's help, mm. psychological and theological de- without God's help. Mm-hmm. So, and so it, it stands to ask the question: Why? Why wouldn't there be problems? Why wouldn't there be dilemmas about what the church should do about mental health? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't there be issues with achieving true spiritual peace and wholeness? Mm. If the, if, if the source of wholeness and healing in these areas is not your, if you're not committed to them. Mm. It strikes me as you were talking about those kinds of things, the, the connection that you made to atheism, for instance, that, uh, the famous line in 14, one of the Psalms, about uh, that there is, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And, of course, we know from the ancient world that everybody believed in gods. The point of the passage is a practical atheism. That is, that, yeah, there's this God, but we're not really going to do anything with him. We're right. really not going to lean unto his own, under right. his understanding. Or he shouldn't be trusted. Yeah. He's just a God. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of the gods. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it did take a in my it take a fool to say that. Yeah. It did take a fool to 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 decide that well, God exists, mm-hmm. but He's really not God, <laughs> and He doesn't really impact my <laughs> right, life. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so the stars just appeared, mm-hmm. and the clouds are just there. Yeah, and and the the magnificent highway of the veins in the body just was orchestrated by accident, mm-hmm. yeah. and and the color and the oxygen. In the blood and the platelets mm-hmm. matching perfectly, and the yeah. vena cava and all that flowing through the heart, and the chambers of the heart just happened to show up one day. Yeah, come on, Mark. <laughs> come on. <now. laughs> 
Come on now. <laughs> that takes a lot of faith. That's it. Like, I'm telling you. In, 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 that's a good point. That takes a lot of faith for somebody to believe that that is the case. Isn't that the truth? So let's deal with this last question here in this first segment before we go to break. Why does psychology, uh, counseling, or guidance need direction from Christian theology? Uh, what's your thought about such a thing? Because it is because this the, the psyche of man is a part of his ontology. Mm-hmm. The, the mental health is 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 not simply a reality because you're saved. Mm-hmm. Even, even, even when you become an, even second, second Corinthians 5 and 17, which says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, mm-hmm. that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yep. Even that does not mean that that new creature may not ha- have some mental, uh, and I'm not afraid to say it, mental illness mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some holy people, uh, in the scripture, who dealt with Isaiah, I mean, excuse me, uh, Elijah in first Kings 19. Mm-hmm. Was suicidal. He mm-hmm. asked God to take his life from the pressure he was enduring mm-hmm. from Jezebel. Yeah, here's a man who 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 had absolute confidence in God in the previous chapter, and 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 worked in a manner that God manifested His glory in his life, mm-hmm. and not not a few. Not the next day mm-hmm. was asking God to take his life. Enough mm-hmm. that the pressure. Uh, uh, and then sometimes you have people struggling with, with, with a spiritual battle that is actually a spiritual sin battle. Mm-hmm. And then you have some people, that same person dealing with, um, some, uh, that what's not sin, emotional and mental struggle. If you check Mark chapter five, there's a fella in, in the Gergesenes that Jesus mm-hmm. approached and, uh, he had been put in, in what was at that time considered like a mental asylum. That was their way of dealing with, um, uh, people with mental illness mm. that that they thought were either demonic or whatever, mm. when um, and they had chained him to to a cave. The Bible talks as the Bible explains him in the book of Mark. It explains that this man certainly a demon was speaking through him, mm-hmm. but that also he had some behavior. He was crying. The Bible says mm-hmm. and cutting himself with stones. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily demonic behavior. That's an emotional dilemma that he doesn't have control of. Mm-hmm. And Christ comes to him. Mm. One of those must needs go through. Yeah, Christ, there it is. Like through Jerusalem, look through Samaria mm-hmm. when he said uh, in John 9, I must work the works mm-hmm. of him that sent me while it's day, nighttime come. So, and so, th- so in, in a more pointed way of addressing your question, Mark, it's a, it's a problem in the body of Christ. Mm. And we need to accept the fact that it's there Mm -hmm. and our love needs to broaden itself to deal with people Mm -hmm. who have mental illness like it does for people who have cancer. That's right. We have have diabetes. We have to acknowledge that the physical is just uh, part of the wholeness of our person. And Which the is psychological. Flawed. That's right. The psychological must be invested. Uh, we certainly need to do that. Uh, this is a, a very important topic. We're talking about the wholeness of the individual from a Christian point of view. Uh, when we come back in our second segment, we're going to start talking about this whole person and how it relates to counseling as a whole. We're going to take a short musical break and be right back. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You come to us and we come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And Dr. Cog Posley and I are here uh, doing a co-hosting show 
which we are going to be doing since the uh, inception of this year in 2018. Really happy to uh, be a participant together. We were just talking about this uh, off air about how we are both committed to the authority of Scripture, and that's where we're coming from in answers to the questions that are uh, dealing uh, that we're dealing with every single week. In this particular segment, we're going to continue our discussion about. What does it mean to be a whole person and talk about what does that mean and how does it relate to counseling? So let's talk about it from a counseling perspective. Um, Clyde, you're a pastor. I'm sure that you engage in all kinds of uh, involvements and conversations with folks in counseling. Uh, How do you see this being played out from a Christian point of view? Well, um, it's it's um, it's multi it's multifaceted, uh, Mark. and I think it can be become a stronger reality the uh, the notion of wholeness uh, for, uh, in the Christian in the kingdom of God if we seek uh, to get some better definitions. Mm, there you uh, go. Sometimes uh, there are times that um, the lines are blurred. For example, uh, between what it means to be healed mm. versus what it means to be whole. Mm. Um, Take uh, take in a further uh, point to that uh, example. When Jesus healed the lepers, um, they take off, they get their healing, but only one comes back. Mm. Jesus pronounced them all clean or healed. But one comes back and Jesus says to him, your faith mm. has made you whole. Mm. There is one place in Scripture where there's a difference. That there, there, there is a, at least a, a, a discussion point of the difference, a potential difference mm-hmm. between an occurrence and a new lifestyle. Oh, there you go. Yeah. A new way of thinking. A mm-hmm. new way. And so that, that that the one leper we know of of, of, the, of the several things that can be picked from that uh, pericope of that text. One thing is he came back with a gratitude. He came mm. back and sought to connect on a relational level mm. with Christ mm. uh, more than those other lepers in those camp in the, in the lepers camp did. Yes, those lepers uh, were desperate. They were all seeking survival. They had all been banished. They had all been, and they all wanted to be clean. And they couldn't. Re- they couldn't wait to run to the priest and be pronounced clean. Mm-hmm. But the one that came back, Mark, mm. he realized. That the Prince of Peace mm-hmm. had pronounced him clean, mm. and so while he did, he wasn't disobeying. He was going to go to the to camp, and he was going to go have the priest declare him clean. Mm. But he wanted to come back and have relationship mm. with the Christ. Mm. That yeah, it made exactly. This is a, an important idea. You mentioned the concept of mindset. It mm-hmm. makes me think of uh, Romans eight five to nine, where it says that there's supposed to be a new mind right. when it comes to uh, a person who's a believer. That this mindset is uh, prompted by the Spirit of God. That's right. And that the Spirit of God, who indwells us, is to motivate us to action. That's right. And in this particular case, you're talking about the issue of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Boy, gratitude is one of the pillars of life. Exactly. You know that. Well, look that at the power are, of it. Yeah. Man, the thankfulness that people ought to have for the goodness that they have in their life, whatever mm-hmm. the goodness might be. Mm-hmm. And it depends on your situation, uh, that whatever you might claim as goodness. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, today I'm, I'm delivering a paper uh, in a class that I'm taking on Civil War literature at IUPUI, and uh, the, the book is The uh, Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harry Jacobs. 
And so one of the things that stands out to me, I'm talking about the internal consistency of this mm-hmm. ethnography and how, how important it is to see the truthfulness of what she says. One of the things that stands out to me in this regard is how thankful that she is for the smallest of things, even though for the most of us we would, we would be thoroughly upset by mm-hmm. the kinds of situations she was in. But here's this woman who has most of her life uh, being taken over uh, in many regards, and yet she's small. She's thankful for the smallest of mm-hmm. things. You know, and that also brings to mind uh, the, the question. It also brings to mind the question of um, what is the role of gratitude, or, or, or what, what what chemicals are released mm-hmm. in the brain mm-hmm. of a person. Who has and maybe our, our coming guest can 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 speak to that a little oh, bit. That's a good idea. But 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 what is the effect on the brain mm. in 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 humans mm. of thankfulness mm. relative to being psychologically whole, mentally whole, emotionally stable? Yes. Because again, Christ tells this man, your faith, what you your be your behavior. Has given you, and I'm paraphrasing, has is is giving you something from me mm-hmm. that the other nine who left will not have. Yes, and I did heal them, mm-hmm. but what I have for you is another level. And the one glaring thing we see mm-hmm. to for him to to receive something more than healing, actual wholeness, mm-hmm. was he was just he was thankful. Mm-hmm. And we live in a world today where, I, the, the, particularly in the body of Christ, where many people will claim to be praisers, but their, but their lifestyle is not one of thankfulness. Yes, yes. This really uh, speaks to me in a different way, uh, thinking about the interdisciplinarity of things. And, and you suggest this uh, idea that um, there might be different kinds of enzymes or hormones mm-hmm. or whatever uh, dis, uh, that, that kind of come into our brain that make a difference in how we think about things. Or, be, and, or how we act. And how we act. Mm-hmm. And we see this throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. We see the difference that happens when somebody is obedient versus when somebody's disobedient. Mm-hmm. And we're not, you know, sometimes people want to throw that phrase around, well, I have victory over sin. No, you're either obedient or you're disobedient. Right. <laughs> it's not victory necessarily. Whether he's been g- giving you victory or not, <laughs> yeah. you still have to be performed. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, you righteously. Have to, right. right. Repentance and all of those. Right. Those kinds of things right. need to kick into gear. Right. All of that is necessary when we think about the whole issue of counseling. So right. let's talk about this idea of the wholeness that's worked out in everyday life. Um, what, what kind of examples would you bring forward to this concept of wholeness in all of life? What are the things that come to your mind when you think about this? You know, as, as you were just saying, I, the word uh, restoration ah. uh Flooded my mind. Okay. You know, I used to teach, uh, well, I still teach Bible study. In fact, I'll be teaching one lead today. But um, I used to have one member who would love to debate with me about the notion as to whether or not um, uh, tangible gifts, hmm. uh, tangible manifestations of God's favor on your life are part of, are evidence that you have relationship with God. Ah. And, uh, and speaking with wholeness, I'm, I'm just talking about a, yeah. a tangible side. Sure. We know we're going to discuss, uh, 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 I believe that part of, of, of becoming whole, the whole person, mm-hmm. is restoring you to a place where you can do ministry yes. at the level mm-hmm. that you would like to. Mm-hmm. You can be as holy as you want and say that you love God and God is in you all you want. But if you can never find a job and you mm-hmm. say that you're, uh, you're tithing and you're, 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 you're bringing tithes and giving offering and you're following the scriptures of being a giving person. Mm. 
you know, I, I guess what I'm suggesting is wholeness. There's a part to play on the part of the believer in your own wholeness. Mm. Now, we know the scripture says that all good and perfect gifts come down from the Father. Sure. No no doubt about that. But it also says we're co-laborers together with God. No, that's it. Yep. That we're co-laborers with God. And yep. we have to participate. You can't, just being born again does not mean mm-hmm. you're going to get your credit straight. <laughs> <laughs> just, just being born again does not mean you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find a wife now. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, you know, you have to start, you have to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And there are many people who want God to do all of the work of their of their whole mm-hmm. of their wholeness. Yes, I'm it's not going to happen. I'm thinking about that passage as you're speaking there about uh, Philippians chapter two that we're supposed to work out our salvation yes. with that, fear and trembling. Right. As a matter of fact, and actually. the Bible says that God has begun this good work. That's in right. You. Absolutely, yeah. We, yeah. we we have to we have to participate. So so wholeness. Uh, tangible, you know, economic wholeness, mm-hmm. uh, not just for individuals, but, but in cultures, you know, African American cultures, uh, Caucasian cultures, Latino cultures have to take on an ownership to help develop the quality mm-hmm. of their culture's wholeness. Mm. Christ right. can heal and does heal anyone who places their faith in him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, going back to the, the going to back to the Luke passage, uh, you have a part to play. Yes. In your wholeness. Yes. In becoming more. If, if you know, look, Mark, think about how many times Christ healed someone then gave him an instruction. Mm-hmm. The woman in John chapter 8 who's caught in adultery. Go your way and sin no more. Mm-hmm. He's not, she knows she's going to sin again. That's mm-hmm. not the, but don't do this. Yes. We're here because you were doing this. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they, they treated you wrong. They judged you. They, 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 they had ulterior motives in even bringing you here. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make sure that your life elevates from this moment forward, I have an instruction for you. Yeah. He tell, he told the man in John 9, go wash in the pool of Siloam. What does it need him to go wash in the pool of Siloam <laughs> to be, to, fa- mm-hmm. but there's an instruction. Mm-hmm. And so I contend this morning, uh, Mark, that a great deal of 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 the wholeness, the whole person that we seek, is often we we, we often fall just short of it because we expect God to both make a, heal us mm-hmm. and make us whole mm. without uh, sufficient effort on our part. One of the things I would do when I was uh, teaching in high school and still do actually, if I have a whiteboard in front of me, is uh, draw a picture of a plane. And uh, then on either wing, I'll draw on one wing divine sovereignty and on the other wing human responsibility. Mm. And I'll ask the people, now, if you're flying in a plane, which wing do you want to fall off if you have a choice? Well, the answer is obviously neither one. You have a responsibility for both. And I think if people take the responsibility, that is the human responsibility that we have, and we bring it together with, yeah, this is God's sovereignty, and Mm. Proverbs 16 is important and true, that, yes, God's plans are going to um, subvert ours at times, but nonetheless, we still bear responsibility for Mm -hmm. those plans, and that's certainly true that runs all the way through that chapter as well. Well, Go ahead. Let me me just add to that. I think there are signs. Again, this is my opinion, because the Bible doesn't specifically uh, outline... um, some of the, it, it includes certainly the, thing, the things I'm discussing in the Bible, but yeah, I think there's some signs of wholeness. How you relate to your family, mm-hmm. your family, how your family relates to you. Yes. What? What? How do you relate to your? And we're going to get to in this in the next segment. But how do you relate to your community? Mm-hmm. You know what? What is? You know, wholeness has some signifiers. Yes. Uh, that 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 I think we can look at how mm-hmm. one relates to his family, how you relate to the community. Uh, uh, 
self-discipline, mm-hmm. um, uh, what what you are doing to reach your full purpose and mm-hmm. your potential. Mm-hmm. Because the whole person, um, none of us, we are a part, we are a, we are the center of a spoke world, mm. if you will. And we have several spokes. And we are, our influence as the center, the hub, on these spokes has everything to do with how the will of our existence affects the kingdom mm. as it should. Mm. And we we have to and so wholeness is not shouldn't just be a quest. It needs to be Mark, it needs to be a desire of people be, uh, of, of individuals mm-hmm. because there are places, there are nouns, there are people, places and things mm-hmm. who are dependent on our wholeness to achieve their, their their ultimate existence. Yes. One of the things that comes to mind as you're uh, well speaking about these things and the responsibility that we have in all of this is this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh actually chapter 4 and uh, verses 11 and 12 and one of the things that kind of uh, steps out to me on this is uh Paul talking about uh, the responsibility that a person has in their relationship, not just with uh, the one who has made them, but with everybody else around them. Mm-hmm. And so he says in verses 11 and 12 of First Thessalonians 4, right. aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you might walk properly before outsiders. This is our responsibility. So Absolutely. when people in the community around us see us, and they see the, the determination, the work ethic, all of the things that we are doing to do good, Titus 3, the po- purpose of this show, is uh, people are seeing this in the outside world and they're saying, you know what, there's something different about those folks. Right. I want to know what that is. Right. And that the life then preaches. So Second Corinthians 3, 2 says that we are epistles, or in our day, emails, known and read of all men. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. We are standing before people, and they're reading us. Right. And they should. Yes, and That's they right. see us, and right. they see the good works that we do or not, and then respond in the manner that we would expect them to respond. That's We're right. going to take a short musical break here of a song and come back. And when we do, when we're going, we're going to be discussing the impact, uh, this very issue of the impact of the whole person on community, and why it's important for Christians to actually be engaged in their community. You're listening to Warp and Roof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Google Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Roof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Echo come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we are discussing uh, key issues that in- interact with a Christian view of things because everything does. We believe everything is theological, and therefore we approach them from a biblical vantage point. This morning, we are discussing the issue of the whole person, and we have been talking about various issues that we see arising in Scripture and in life and how they intersect. And in this particular segment, we're going to be talking about how the Christian community is engaged in all of this. And when I think about this, uh, Clyde, I'm thinking about how we see uh, these kinds of things popping up, not only in books and culture, but in educational venues and uh, community organizations. And how do you see uh, a Christian involved in the community in the sense of being a whole person so that the community sees this and we participate as whole people in the community? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's vital, uh, Mark, uh, that that the Christian community engage the at-large community uh, uh, in this matter, in this, in this mental health uh, or mental illness um, matter, or because it's 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 very serious. 
I think we need to start by making sure that we as Christians, uh, while we're part of the solution, we see our, we have to see ourselves as, as a part of the solution. I think we cannot disavow science. Ah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can, we, we can just, I don't think we can pastorally counsel everything out. I don't think that's right. And I've been pastoring approximately, really I've been pastoring almost 30 years, but, uh, at this church where I am now, almost 19. And, and, uh, I have come to understand, um, through trial and error that, that one of the things I have to do to be, to broaden my, my ability, my pastoral care skills is to incorporate the sciences, mm-hmm. take advantage of great programs as, right. uh, um, uh, um, Within the community mm-hmm. uh, and in educational opportunities uh, for even some of my people who are interested in mm-hmm. dealing with their families better. Take mm-hmm. Martin has a great Martin University has mm-hmm. a great uh, uh, psychology program. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, IUPUI does it. Indiana School of uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know psychology. So, um, you know, we have to we have to dis- we have to stop uh, while while the church is exceptional and it is how God is going to shine light his light of healing on everything. Mm. We need to be, uh, we need to be, if I can use this word, in collusion uh-huh. with, mm-hmm. with the body of Christ, with, with the community, with, 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 uh, like I guess that you'll introduce later, uh, and with hospital services, mm-hmm. with, with mental health clinics. Mm-hmm. We, we have to be in a partnership, mm-hmm. uh, and the church has, has got to stop acting like, um, well, let me say it like this. Here's a good way to say it. Understanding scripture is more than just reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. There are manifestations of how healing takes place beyond the pulpit, beyond the benediction, mm-hmm. into the cult, into the community and in mm-hmm. the culture. And a whole lot of what we call um, just uh, criminally insane is sometimes emotionally disturbed mm-hmm. or sometimes it's sin. Mm-hmm. But we need to be in a relationship with those individuals who, who can diagnose that. Yes. Which would include you and I. Yes, right. Also our guest yeah. and other, other psychiatrists as well as psychologists mm-hmm. and, and therapists. Mm-hmm. So we can evaluate people and we don't have emotionally disturbed people in life for, forever. Mm-hmm. Or we don't have people who are criminally insane walking mm-hmm. the streets like they have no, like, like, like there's no problem. Yes. Or, or, or people who are neither of those mm-hmm. who just slipped into a sin and the guilt of the matter is killing them. Mm-hmm. That's where you and I come in. Yes. Help them with that type of freedom. When we think about this, we're thinking about, uh, it just immediately pops into my mind, uh, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, about how sin debilitates us physically, mm-hmm. that we feel yeah, this in our bones, Scripture teaches, absolutely. Uh, that this is an important idea that uh, really resonates with us. And and to your point about being involved and invested in the community, just yesterday, for instance, I was at, at the state capitol and visiting one of our uh, Cominia student interns there who's uh, interning for uh, the Senate side. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about all the different kinds of folks that are there, Christian young people who are giving their lives for these three months to invest in the state house and in the life of the community as their community, but also in the communities of the senators that they're serving. Mm-hmm. This is a very good thing to do so that Christians are invested uh, throughout uh, the community that, that they serve, no matter what it is that they're doing. Uh, and as I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, uh, you were talking about psychology classes. I was thinking about uh, the classes that I'm taking at IUPUI. They have tremendous humanities department there, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy to be invested and involved there. So we do need to be uh, thinking outside of what we normally think of right. and s- instead of being segregated right. from and the And we can do that and still be the church. That's right. 
the kingdom of God. Yeah. I brought up a passage uh, from Mark chapter 5 about the young man that had, had a mm-hmm. dual problem, having mm-hmm. a theological problem going to demonic control, but he also has some emotional problems mm-hmm. going on. When Jesus heals him, mm-hmm. uh, in this in this 20-verse passage of, of Mark 5, the Bible says that at the end of this man, mm-hmm. he was dressed and clothed mm-hmm. and in his right mind. Mm-hmm. The inference mm-hmm. there is that when Jesus approached him, part of his problem was he was not in his right mind. Mm. And so his encounter with Christ resulted in, mm. according to scripture, yeah. him being back in his right mind. You know, the prodigal son, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he slipped away from his father in this, in this, in this uh, parable. He ends up, he goes out into far, far country, wastes all his living, mm-hmm. blows all his money. But then there's a little passage in there that says, and when he came to himself, mm-hmm. which means suggests that his all of his behavior was born out of him not being at himself. But what mm-hmm. self was he at? Mm-hmm. So he had something going on. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes in life, experience gets us back to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. I was preaching yeah. this last uh, Sunday at my church, Mark chapter 7, a bunch of episodes within a Mark but one of the things that I was highlighting was this idea that there is no social change until there's internal change Absolutely. that comes from an eternal source. So I'll say that again for everybody. There's no social change unless there's internal change that comes from an eternal source. Those kinds of things are necessary for us as Christians to think about and say to each other and constantly commit to because our world does not. Our mm-hmm. world is committed to itself. Mm-hmm. Our world is human-centered in that th- sense of things. And so our commitment then needs to be to a higher source, obviously mm-hmm. a biblical authority. Right, right. There is a triangular relationship within society that needs to be functioning properly with God at the apex, individuals at its right, and the community and the impact of the, of the community at the other side. Mm-hmm. If that's if any part of that is out of whack, mm-hmm. then society is a reflection of where the break is. Mm-hmm. It's never with God that's because right. he he is immutable. Mm-hmm. He does not change. Mm-hmm. He he is as he was and he wa- he will always be as he is. But but what can change mm-hmm. and what does change which most affects the condition or the the, the grand narrative of the psychology of 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 the world is where we are. Mm. And where community is. Mm. If you look at what's going wrong in society, mm. God hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. Society is a picture of where people are. Mm-hmm. And period. Yes. We and and it's hard to embrace that, but it's re- it's, it's really true. Society is what we are. Mm-hmm. Now, g- going back to the student that I was with yesterday, your comments make me think about this discussion we were having. And he said, "You know, I'm taking this course. Would you help me with this particular paper?" So I. I read this article with him, and I wrote my comments all over the article, and we had this great discussion over lunch, and it was a really fine discussion, mm-hmm. but the article itself was all based on the very thing that you're saying, and the very thing we talk about consistently here, and that is it's being driven by a sociological agenda that says we are basically good people at heart, that we're perfectible, that you know if we just love each other and care about each other. And the whole point, of course, is lost any kind of standard from where does that come from. Right. And my student across uh, the table from me uh, smiled at me, and, and he said, and like you always say, the question is, who says? So what's your final authority? The authority is the issue that we're after here, and the authority, obviously, for you and I and for this program and for the Christian church, it should be as a whole, is that our authority comes from Scripture alone. 
Right. I, I agree. In, in a world that which believes it can fix itself without God, mm-hmm. doom is waiting. Yes. So, you know, we talk. to be just, you know, sound disastrous, but, but we can't fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to have a guide. Yeah, how about that? You know, Even it, ships, we know ships need a guide. That's right. We yeah. know a car needs a steering wheel. Mm-hmm. We know a bicycle needs handlebars. Mm-hmm. And yet so many of us in our lives think we can just go about it right. without some others. That yeah. We are our... No, yeah, that's not. not going that way. Mm-hmm. Just before we take a break, let me say this. That our concern, of course, when we talk about the humanities, when we talk about the sciences, and we're about to talk about uh, the issue of uh, psychology and counseling and all the rest of that kind of thing with Commission Unley, uh, who's just come into our studios, uh, we need to say this about the sciences, the humanities, and all of our human knowledge and understanding from a uh, Biblical point of view, we understand as we started the show, Colossians 1.17, by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is really important for us. But when we, what we want to say about science and humanities and everything else is that it simply affirms what Scripture confirms. Right. So the sciences and the humanities only affirm what Scripture has already confirmed. Right. So the sciences and the humanities are just catching up exactly. with what God's they are authority. They offsprings yes. of, of the epistemology of God. There it is. In other words, we they, they, they are, I think, the sciences, um, the humanities, you know, archaeology, whatever you want to look at it, they, they are offsprings. Yeah. Of the of, of a God who already knew they right. are uncovering and to, for them to uncover yep. something if they are studying things that already exist the yep. human mind didn't start exist yep. with 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 uh, Jacques Lacan mm. or, or, or or other psych or Erickson mm-hmm. these they are studying what has already existed yeah they're just kind of catching up they're to catching what God up. has Absolutely. established in His Word and the better they catch up the better the church is able to do its job there it is and we can point to these things and, and affirm these things of course in culture you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site. Uh, when we come back, we are going to be talking with Commission Nunley, and we're going to be talking about her ministry of hidden hurts and the importance that she does in this community from a Christian vantage point. Warp and Woof Radio, we'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, and we are just thrilled this morning to talk to Commission Nunley. And uh, Kamish is here from Hidden Hurts. And uh, let's just start right off, Kamish, about uh, some, of, some of your background, about your life, your family, your church, your vocation at helping your Hidden Hurts. This is a very powerful ministry you have, and we want to give you the platform to tell folks about it. Absolutely, and I appreciate you guys having me on. It's We're been a joy to, to kind of sit in and listen to you guys' dialogue about this. So I'm Kamish Nunley. My trade is uh, being a servant of God um, and a mental health counselor in that, and I'm also a certified trauma specialist, um, and I've been in this field for about 12 to 13 years now mm. on my own company, Healing Your Hidden Hurts. Mm. Um, and doing this work, um, I've learned the value um, behind the lives that I'm able to touch and uh, develop and roll that over into a ministry of sorts. Mm. Um, so I've spread out in Indianapolis um, with a program mental health ministry based on healing and deliverance and i'm also a mother and a wife for the past 19 years almost 20 congratulations Um, and i just i love life and i love Mm -hmm. 
I love this work, mm-hmm. so thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, concept that just kind of jumps off the page when you uh, start talking about this, and it did the first time I met you as well, is this idea that you're a trauma specialist. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what that means. I'm sure people listening to this are going, wow, I, you know, I got trauma in my life, too. <laughs> I need some help with this. Well, what don't we trauma? all? Yeah. <laughs> what is a trauma specialist? A uh, trauma specialist is basically someone who's able to uncover hidden hurts that have been allowed to um, exist many times since childhood um, and process either overt or subtle traumas in their lives, events in their lives that has threatened them mm-hmm. or threatened their sense of safety mm-hmm. um, and caused, you know, cognitive distortions to become a part of their personality or part of the way that they process things. So Mm -hmm. their thinking patterns Mm -hmm. um, have been shifted. And so trauma is at the root of many of the issues that we see in the world today. Mm -hmm. And so I really like to consider myself a certified healer more so than anything because we all experience Mm -hmm. some level of trauma Mm -hmm. in some way or another. Mm -hmm. So That's an important concept, the idea that we bear responsibility for – the consequences of life, uh, and we carry them with us, and certainly some some of these things are done to us. So we have to ask the next question, which uh, is pretty obvious from in this particular platform and program, and that is, how does being a Christian impact your work, mm. your thinking, as well as your practice? Absolutely. Well, I've been in this practice or this work for like 13 to 14 years now, and it's only been within the last two and a half years I've begun to embrace this idea of how my Christianity or my spirituality plays a role in that, not not being fully aware of it for those prior years. I'm starting to understand how much that is a part of you know, what I do. Um, And so I've started to develop a um, modality of sorts for therapy. um, And people have done this um, for a long time now, but um, I'm trying to coin the term psychospirituality. Um, I began to embrace the idea of psychospirituality after uh, hearing a sermon by Noel Jones. Mm -hmm. Are you guys familiar with him? I am. He's amazing. (laughs) Yes. And so he did a uh, series on um, Romans 12, too. Mm -hmm. And um, after visiting different churches in the community and noticing how much congregations were suffering, this sermon, like, hit home. And it was called Preaching 101. And he talked about how um, there is a difference between I couldn't understand why our churches were suffering so much. Um, and he talked about that there's a difference between deliverance and healing. And you were starting to kind of go through this earlier. Um, and he kind of broke it down to understanding that, yes, we can be delivered um, by God, by the church, by the pastors and things like that. But that doesn't equate to being healed from all the wounds that we've uh, enveloped Which over the years. what we were saying about being right. whole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think of it in terms of, like, if you have... Uh, a baby sister, uh, maybe two or three y- years younger than you, you're about 10 or in your uh, teens, and that sister kind of comes into your room every night, but you have to get up and go to bed. She comes in, she sleeps with you, she kicks you around, things like that. You know, you end up beaten and bruised. Well, you can be delivered from that by just putting a gate <laughs> on her door, hmm. right? And so now no longer do you have to be subjected to you know, the 
the beatings, the bruising, and things like that. But the healing comes in insofar as uh, your ability to start to heal the wounds that already exist. So mm-hmm. do I have to retrain? Right. Do I have right. to retrain um, and process and reconstruct my thought patterns so as to uh, not to continue to allow the bruising to impact me mm-hmm. um, in my life? Does that make sense? So do you, w- right. when you t- say these things, are you talking about the consequences? You, you're dealing right. with the consequences. You're dealing mm-hmm. with. The impact of the traumas in your life. You're mm-hmm. dealing with, um, so deliverance, we repent, we're baptized, um, things like that. However, healing is dealing with everything that didn't allow us to do that earlier in our lives. Does that make sense? Yes. Let me, what you're saying is just it's great. It's all biblical. It's fascinating. I, I, let me ask you this, though. What do you see as a professional in your field mm-hmm. as the biggest obstacles to mm. people ab- achieving the healing right. of the the now uh, painful results of their mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's a question that I get fairly often. Um, what I see most often and what, what I was allowed or given clarity on is that uh, part of the reason why people are still in our congregations suffering is because the stigma that's placed on the ideals around healing and who you go to to be, we to didn't be talk beforehand, be everybody. I'm telling right. you. I, I, I just, if, if I could have slid you one, a fastball, and you hit it out of the park, that's it. And, we think we I can mean, do it all. It's mm-hmm. so shame-based, especially in our, our black churches mm-hmm. in and around the community. I mean, mm-hmm. it's starting to lighten up now. Mm-hmm. However, um, I remember attending a church, and I remember the pastor used the pulpit as a way to induce shame and guilt in mm-hmm. his parishioners. And... His lingo was something of a search. So I heard some of you are out here seeing therapists, or should I say false prophets. And immediately, mm. because I know the language of shame and guilt, mm. I was inundated sure. with other people's energy of shame sure. and mm. guilt. Sure. And I just, I felt an overwhelming sadness, especially those who were seeing therapists How and felt like they were mm. making progresses in life. Yeah. But to me, that speaks a lot of to to their unhealed versions of themselves, and so they they start to shut down areas in other people's life. You can only take someone as far as you yourself has have gone. Right. So when you use the pulpit to do something like that, that to me just communicates that you have your own level of healing. Mm -hmm. I can remember that that is that that is so good. I can remember some time ago, very quickly, I was um, when I really got into academia, Mm -hmm. you know, and 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 graduate work and PhD level work I had a because I've always been I always known this to be need to be a part of the body of Christ so I Mm -hmm. had a mental health conference a healing Mm -hmm. uh, uh, workshop over over a weekend and I never will forget I brought in a professor that I knew and he said something that almost made me grab walk up to the podium and snatch the mic from him Mm. I did cut his cut his segment short He said he was talking. He's a, he was a, a psychology professor. We were friends, but I had no idea we'd say this. He said, "Well, I need you all to know that schizophrenia is not something that any of you would probably see in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. That's not something that people are really diagnosed with today. So, in the body of Christ, you don't, you don't, you you probably never see anyone with a true diagnosis of that." <sighs> You talk, and so when you were talking about how you felt, he like sucked the air out of the room because, mm-hmm. and this was this was this was at least ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could not wait to get to that mic and mm-hmm. and 
take my race. <laughs> you know, that's not. You know, there that's are some right. great people who love God, who who have various diagnoses: schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. You know, all, all, all sorts of of, of and it it. it to, but to say. To make that blanket statement, mm-hmm. it, it kind of speaks to what you were talking about, Absolutely. how the ignorance, even mm-hmm. uh, even some in in who are supposed supposedly professionals, right. how they how they work against the the necessary relationship between the church, mm-hmm. the community, and the clinicians. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's so true. And I've I've seen people take biased approaches all the time, and and mm-hmm. what I've learned to listen for is the heart. Uh, and other people and why they mm-hmm. communicate what they communicate mm-hmm. and what are the intentions behind it. Right. Uh, many times it's power and control. If I can get you to believe certain things, then I can, if I can take the mind, I can have mm-hmm. the body, right? So if I can, if I can get you to believe that right. schizophrenia doesn't exist and some people think that, well, maybe then that will let people not claim it is the word that I usually hear mm-hmm. in churches. Don't claim that because, mm-hmm. you know, if you put that out there. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And and that's As one is. thing about mental health is that we don't make choices to be mentally ill. Right. We mm-hmm. don't, you know. And when you pick diabetes or right, you, you, you right. pick uh, lupus or something like that, these mm-hmm. things happen in, in right. a fallen society. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so he, you know, he basically was pivoting off of his own bias. Now, when I talk to crowds in that way, I, I'm very careful with my language and because I know at any moment shame and guilt can be mm-hmm. um, invoked. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I can be talking about a general neutral issue, and because you associate something either I'm doing gesture-wise or uh, the language I'm you, you can associate that with any early life trauma, and boom, you're right back there in that shame and guilt. And so... I'm glad that you were able to kind of shut him down and pull him from the mic and and, and reiterate that no, yeah. <laughs> schizophrenia is a very real thing. Well, he was Isn't doing trauma. Yeah, he was, he doing was trauma creating it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The difficulty that we find in this culture is that we have this limited mindset that the only things we believe in are the things that we see, mm-hmm. and we've become Christian naturalists. We become Christian humanists or experiential experience. Yeah, right. yeah and it's all, all based that. on self. Right. All of that. Right. Which is mm-hmm. So we have we right. we base what we believe right. on the five senses instead of understanding that there is a sixth sense. Mm. There is something outside of ourselves to which we must give an account. And obviously, from a Christian vantage point, that's the one who has made us. You are listening to Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. Uh, we are going to take one musical break and be back and have a whole half hour with Kamish Nunley. You're listening to Warp and Woof. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. And we are here today with Kamish Nunley from Helping Your Hidden Hurts. And, uh, Kamish, we're really happy that you're here with us today. And I wanted to start this next segment off uh, with something that you have introduced us to that uh, I had never heard of this individual before, but uh, you were just excited about a man whose name is Dr. Matthew Stevenson. And you just take it away because you were so admiring of his approach. Tell us why, who he is, all that. Yes. Well, Dr. Matthew Stevenson III, um, is a pastor of All Nations, um, I think it's called All Nations Worship Center in Chicago. And what's happening with his messages is that they're becoming more international. And so he's opening up churches in all different places around the United States. Um, I enjoy Dr. Stevenson, much like because I enjoy uh, Bishop Jakes, 
Noel Jones. Um, I enjoy the messaging that he has, and probably for the same reasons that you like John Amos Comenius mm. is the same reason that I like Dr. Matthew Stevenson. He's an educator. He's been trained as a leader. Um, he's been ordained as a minister and educated in that. He's released several books. Um, but I most enjoy him because he has, I don't know if it's just a gift, um, they call him a prophet, but um, found a unique way, a provocative way to intertwine um, psychological concepts with biblical uh, stories and such. And he really talks from a very practical uh, standpoint in a way that you kind of you just get the message once you hear it mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy that about him and just his overall philosophy mm-hmm. and approach to ministry mm-hmm. um, he really is dedicated to the deliverance and healing ministry mm-hmm. um, he'll even say in his podcasts and such um, that uh, there's in his church everybody is transparent we all have issues, and we were willing to talk about those issues up front and honestly and be transparent because my story might help the next person. And so he was like, don't think you're going to come here and play uh, Mr. or Mrs. Conservative. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to get in there, and we're going to mm-hmm. actually, you know, actually minister to you. So mm-hmm. that's why I enjoy him. He has um, recently come out with a series called Ouch!, which is better known as a pain series. And it really does kind of give you, um, I think the word is pragmatic look at what pain in the Bible was Mm -hmm. and how we're still experiencing some of those generational cycles today and how they end up manifesting in our behaviors. Mm -hmm. Wow. That that stuff really sounds great. And we're really happy to hear about him in particular. Uh, His ministry sounds quite fulfilling, actually. Uh, the, The concepts, I think, that... Uh, hit me immediately when I think about hearing what you're saying is a passage in Second Corinthians chapter one three to seven that we should comfort each other with the comfort that's been comforted uh, with well, us yeah from the God of all comfort seven times in that passage uh, the word comfort is mentioned uh, there and certainly this speaks to the issue of wholeness. So when you think about the issue of pain, I mean, you're dealing with people with pain all the time. We started the broadcast by talking about trauma and so on. So when you're talking about the issue of pain and you're talking about Stevenson and some of his work, uh, how does that interact with, you know, the families and the children that you're with and the folks that you're constantly have in your office? How do do all of those things manifest themselves in in the work that you do? Well, I'll, I'll say that, but I'll also say, you know, transparency is really important. I mean, um, Jesus was transparent in his walk, you know, and it's kind of that if you show you, if I show you my scars, you're more apt to show me yours. And so that's something that he makes a point to do. Um, and as far as pain um, as a universal concept, I mean, we're human. And part of the human experience is that we are going to experience pain in some way, shape or form. But in my work, and what I've noticed is that people try everything possible, humanly possible, to avoid or not have to confront or have some level of pain. I mean, they turn to substances for numbing or self-medication. They, you know, get addicted to uh, intercourse or pornography, all in an in a effort to avoid the unavoidable. Um, and what he kind of highlights is, no, let's call this by name. Let's label this so that with every painful experience, 
we can start to cultivate a pain plan so that you can deal with it more appropriately. Um, something else that he calls attention to is be careful thinking that you get your lessons from pain. He said, you know, it's, it's not that we get our lessons from pain, but when we're in pain, we learn a lot about ourselves. And that's what we have to uh, gravitate towards. God is trying to show us something in the painful um, experience, not necessarily what you get from the pain. Because there's been a lot of people um, who take very distorted messages away from pain. Um, uh, one key one is you can't trust men mm-hmm. by women that have been hurt by men. Um, well, that's not biblical. Um, and so we can take very... Um, non-biblical things away from the idea of pain and think that this is a lesson that I'm supposed to adhere to for the rest of my life. And so he said, right, right. I'm just a bad person. I'm a bad person. Exactly. And those are the thoughts that we start to, that's the lie that we start to believe on and it shapes our reality. Which is Satan's intent. Oh, absolutely. And that's how he drags us through. He induces fear, guilt, shame, and blame. And he, he takes us through um, based on our previous experiences of life because he understands that that's your button. Right. And here's how I can put a tear in that wheat is by creating, um, I use that loosely, by allowing thoughts to manifest themselves. Um, the enemy is really keen on making sure we take uh, or, or he, he gets, uh, he infuses himself in our thought life. Right. Um, by creating fear-based things, shame-based things. So just getting back to the whole pain uh, point, I think that, you know, we have to realize that uh, there's no way to avoid undergoing some level of pain. In fact, it's probably a lot easier for you to talk through it and talk about it than it is for you to avoid. Because when you end up avoiding day by day, you're subjected to that experience without a healthy process of it. So there can be a commercial that comes on TV and it calls your attention to that experience and boom, you're back into that thought process Mm -hmm. and you're back to feeling low. Um, So I encourage people all the time that um, counseling is a light and what counseling does is it calls out of the darkness the problems that you've had hidden. And you can always tell when somebody's ready to move forward in their life because they have no problem, again, going back to the transparency, they have no problem with talking about those deep, dark issues in counseling. But many people, many people, once you call to light those things, I've actually had a woman kind of get up and leave the room. Mm. And I knew the enemy had her ear in that moment that if I face this, it feels too unsafe. It feels like I'm not protected. It feels too vulnerable for me. And that's just an uncomfortable place for a lot of people. Some people also don't know an existence Mm. without that that pain. It's literally become an appendage of theirs. They've nursed it so long. They They don't have an ontology. They, they, they to, fear an ontology without that. Right, and they're yeah. trying to apply a Band-Aid to a surgical wound. Mm-hmm. And this is the comfort level that we feel. Right. Mm-hmm. We've come to this place. We feel comfortable here, so anything else feels uncomfortable, Absolutely. and we don't want to go there. And right. we call that cognitive dissonance, right, right? Mm-hmm. which is traumatic in and of itself. 
I know a lot of women who who, who stay in abusive relationships mm-hmm. because they've been with the person for so long. They don't know an existence right. without this person, and they fear that they 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 they, they, they believe the lie. Mm-hmm. You're nothing without me. You'll never mm-hmm. be anything without me. You're mm-hmm. stupid. You're dumb. Mm-hmm. And so they allow themselves to remain subject to abuse and horrific uh, and a, a horrific existence mm. because they don't believe that they are they can exist outside of this. Mm-hmm. And we've got to we've got to what, what you do. Mm. Is, is just tremendous. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I, I, I hear people say, well, you know, she's dumb. Why does she keep going back? Mm. Why, you know, there is a syndrome built What's around physical abuse, mm-hmm. um, not uh, taken away from the spiritual aspect, but from clinical uh, uh, aspects. Uh, there's uh, such a thing called battered woman syndrome. Uh, many women, and we don't oftentimes think of this, um, if they make a choice to leave, that could mean their life. Right. So it's not that she's dumb or stupid. Mm-hmm. She's trying to figure out how do I how plan a, an escape route That's right. That's right. without being murdered. And it's it's the physical. It could be the financial, too. I Absolutely. mean, if you leave, then Absolutely. the guy says, you know what? Financial, you don't have anything. You children, can't have my money. Nothing. Yes. Whatever. Everything yes. goes. Everything Even goes. pets. And, see, right. and just like the way we're talking now, these things need to get in, in the ear of, mm-hmm. of women who may be listening to me or people mm-hmm. or listening to Kamish uh, 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 or listening to Dr. Eccles. People need to hear uh, that people un- that there are others who understand how you think mm-hmm. and what you're facing. Mm-hmm. And it's not as simple that we do understand there are some people mm-hmm. who do understand that it's not you're not stupid. Mm-hmm. You're not dumb. But there's help for you. Absolutely. God can deliver you and heal you from anything mm-hmm. right. if you trust him. And they're not enemies of sorts. Exactly. Right? Because exactly. I think a lot of times um, there's a confusion which allows the stigma to exist is that somehow what we're telling them is um, exo-Jesus or, or not about, mm. you know, uh, their Christian faith. That's I mean, right. it is very true that... Um, I would say between 50 to 59 percent of the population as a whole in America um, say that they are religious folk. But when it comes time to seek out a therapist or a psychologist, Mm -hmm. many of them do not highlight that as a or it's not even on our assessments. Mm -hmm. Now, being trained up in this work, we were encouraged not to bring it up unless Mm. um, the client brings it up first, unless that goes against our ethical uh, rules of conduct. Um, but on top of that, psychologists and therapists have not been trained necessarily on how to infuse uh, or marry the two mm-hmm. ologies of yes. sorts. Yeah. So, you know, part of my work at this point is looking at the research that has been conducted and figuring out um, as well as praying about and allowing God to kind of feed into me and edify mm-hmm. me um, how this can look and making it an actual modality where they can train students in school on the work of things like pain series and 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 how to combine psychology with theology. I mean, if you think about it, um, psychology and theology, st- psychology is study of the human mind. Theology, the study of, of God's nature. Um, and God's nature, he created us all, right? And so if we're studying the mind, don't we want to study... The creator of the mind? The mind. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yes. So how can they not be a part? How, how can they not, you know, build up on top of each mm-hmm. other? And the Bible kind of gives us a blueprint 
on how that is done. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is, is a tool for a lot of people uh, towards reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Re- and it talks about this in the Bible, reconciling our hearts back to ourself, God, and to others. Mm-hmm. And so that's psychology 101. Right. You know, uh, John chapter 4 and verse 24 Christ is speaking to the woman at the well, and he he tells her that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Th- that that's 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 a a different way of saying the exact same thing you just said, and that is if we really want to know our spirit and who we are, because in most most instances, what's wrong with us mm-hmm. uh, uh, if we're having these type of traumas and we're undelivered is our spirit is out of source and we don't know how to get it right. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to get in our right mind. We don't mm-hmm. know how to get ourselves lined up, we call it today, back to the middle. Mm-hmm. Get our groove back, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And because of some trauma, as you have mentioned. Right. and, and uh, But the way back is to know who to go back to. Mm-hmm. And God is a spirit, the right spirit, the holy spirit has to guide us back to that place because often what we don't want to hear is that often not always Mm. but sometimes it it, people have shifted from what is holy they've gotten away from what is right Right. and what is true and some of the results of that is that they have exposed themselves to some spirits Mm. not always Mm -hmm. there's a mental health component to this Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. but sometimes they've gotten exposed to some spirits that are stronger than what they know Mm. In terms of what to respond uh, respond to, mm-hmm. and the Bible supports that, and so you, we we can never, never convince ourselves that we can fix ourselves. Amen. Well, this leads me to ask this Sounds question based on your good thoughts here about this idea that your work in the church is so important. So, yes. let's just ask the question that's just kind of hanging out there: How are churches and specifically pastors responding to your work? I mean, you're sitting with two men here who believe in what you do. Yes. But I've already gotten her card. There you go. <laughs> you're good to go. She knows I've already talked to her. It's, it's she, been a she's journey. valuable. Yeah, it's been a journey, and it's been about a two-year journey. But I think during that time, God was kind of feeding into me and training me and prepping me um, for all of the things that I would meet or come up against in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been met with many different things. Um but I've also been blessed, and that's kind of how God works. You know, mm-hmm. he gives you a healthy dose sure. of rejection, but also a healthy he, he did that dose with of Christ. blessing. You're in good company. Uh-huh. He, so, he was despised and yes. rejected of men. Yes. So he, Amen. you're in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, End up being the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And so I've been blessed by Light of the World Christian Church um, Youth Ministry. Dr. David Hampton mm-hmm. brought me on board. Mm-hmm. Um, first noticed by their youth director, Anderson White, mm-hmm. um, after he, and this is how God works, um, I had invited him to a Pacers game because I also have a um, partnership with the Indiana Fever for my anti-bullying program. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed um, to know someone who invited Dr. Hampton to my presentation about bullying and our partnership with the Fever. Mm-hmm. And um, after he heard that, I would say almost three to four months later, he called me to come in and talk to his youth about bullying. Mm-hmm. Well, at that time, I did not know that Anderson, the, the director of the youth, um, was praying for somebody to come in and work with the youth on mm-hmm. some areas of suffering, mostly those who had been sexually abused, which mm-hmm. is my specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I like to joke with him now, I said, 
while you're praying, I was praying too for a church to open up their arms and embrace mm. the messages of mental health because we're not so different. Mm. You know, we're kind of saying the same stuff. I think it's the exact same. So once that happened, um, I've been there now for about two and a half years mm-hmm. and I've grown. I've seen the families that I've worked with grow. Dr. Hampton is very supportive. Mm. Uh, we collaborate on issues. Um, such as whenever there's like child protective services that needs to be involved. And we really have kind of cultivated an environment that not only focuses on deliverance, but focuses on healing mm. and how to heal um, emotional wounds. So. Mm. The healing process is something that's really kind of uh, standing out to me in this, uh, in this discussion. Uh, the kinds of folks that you're invested with, uh, let's talk about the issue of children and you said that that sexual abuse was your specialty yes um what are the things that you're seeing in the culture Mm. whether it be you know broadly for unbelievers or specifically for the church with believers either or or both um what are you seeing right now Mm. and what should be we be aware of and what directions might we need to take to address these concerns and perhaps lean on somebody like yourself. And I have a follow-up when, when you're done oh, with that God. question, okay. <laughs> relative to his question. Yes, and I'm going to try to answer that as wholly as possible. Um, in our culture, and I, I don't believe that culture is just race. I mean, cult- right. culture is all the isms, yeah. classism, um, socioeconomic status, you know, all of that. Um, in our culture, we have become very fear-based. It's mm-hmm. based on scarcity. Um, and that has a trickle-down effect to our youth. Mm. Um, and they start to experience trauma sim- symptoms as a result of the adults kind of Are freaking you out. suggesting that they're being trained? <laughs> yeah, they're in being trained fear. by the adults to be fearful. They see it. Wow. And so wow. what ends up happening and that I've learned to listen for is to hear um, the wounding that exists within the youth as a result of what the culture culture is providing. Mm. Um, And so I'm able oftentimes to hear, um, you know, things like um, emotional wounds, like mother wounds, father wounds, parent pain, church hurt, you know, all those things I'm able to now um, understand and um, help children kind of uh, process through all of that. Mm. And specifically in dealing with trauma, there's a theorist out there named Matsukan. And he did a lot of work on accumulative trauma. So he says that, you know, over our lifetime, we experience subtle traumas, um, one after the other, that are not being processed, that mm. one day will eventually accumulate to a massive trauma mm. where you'll start to have traumatic reactions very similar to Such war veterans. Behavior, right. Maybe, Yes, absolutely. And so sexual abuse is no different. And the abuse of our culture in terms of fear, being fear-based, shame-based, guilting, blaming, all of that um, is also uh, uh, invoking those same type of trauma reactions. And so um, not even to mention that, you know, we've been bent on trauma um, many generations over. I mean, if you go back to slavery and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I oftentimes joke with my kids and, and I tell them, you know, our family structures are built on, you know, trauma and brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so that's not just for white or black folk. Mm-hmm. That's also for white folk mm-hmm. because they 
had to suffer from cognitive dissonance as a result of the trauma that they were uh, inflicting on slaves. Right. Yes. Right. So, I mean, at any given point, um, there are access uh, points for pain to be able to uncover with them and hear the types of wounding that they're going through and helping to give them language about what they're experiencing, helping them to be more aware and how to talk about it productively in a safe space where there's no judgment, Mm. there's no condemnation. Mm. And once you strip those things away, um, you really get to um, bear someone's soul you know, mm. with them and walk them through the journey. So did, mm. did that answer, answer oh, your question? Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Couple, couple things. That's, that, that's, I'm, I'm just really blessed by your presence here today. Uh, one, one quick analogy came to my mind while you were, while you were talking, and I'll get to the question I, I had, which was a follow-up. Yesterday, um, my, my foot is injured. I'm going to be having foot surgery soon. And um, uh, the part of my foot that's injured, uh, uh, one part of my foot, that's, uh, two parts injured. I stubbed my toe. Uh, on my the edge of my desk yesterday, and uh, when I hit my toe because my foot is broken in that area, not the area that's that's most painful today. Yeah. When I stubbed my toe, I barely felt it, mm. and immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to spoke to me, mm-hmm. and told me people are this way often who have had trauma. Mm-hmm. There is a there are multiplicity of painful areas in their lives, and so they become desensitized. In one area, because another area of pain is gripping their thinking. Mm -hmm. And so they don't even know how to relate to this new pain because they're so controlled and their thinking is distorted Mm -hmm. from the old pain. It it becomes compounded trauma. Compounded Mm -hmm. trauma. Compounded trauma. And I just, you were kind of speaking about that a second ago. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, Did you you have a follow-up to that? No, I just think it's very... Very true that, you know, we don't pay attention to how things, like I said, we do a lot of things to avoid pain. Right. And we don't pay that close of attention to, you know, how pain impacts us or or, or what the lesson is that um, when we're in pain, what is the lesson from it? What is it showing me about me? If it's undealt with, it's not just going to get better. No. That's right. And that's that's what I love to highlight to people is Mm. that. Time doesn't heal all. Exactly. I, I mean, you can live very long with a painful event and still be, in, you know, infected with its messages right. um, if you've never dealt with it. Right. Um, and, and I post about these things on social media because I want people to start to, you know, have the language to describe. Right. Look, you know, that sounds like not an issue in your current day situation but that goes way back to, you know, childhood when you first experienced or first right. came into the understanding of fear and, and, and things like that. So that's, that's what I was That's thinking. good. I wanted to you know, kind of follow up on Mark's uh, question. And I know we don't, we've got about uh, three, about three minutes. I, I, I do want you to address this. Do you have an opinion as to why sexual abuse mm. and, and sexual issues are so much a part I know that's your specialty, and you've mm. chosen to be a specialty, mm. obviously, because you recognized the the, the and major I'm a impact. Driver of right. Sexual, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, 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 do you have a, a, a notion, a theory as to why, particularly sexual mm. uh, dysfunction or pain, is so much a part of the trauma that develops in people's uh, and, and the and it, the results in such trauma today? Because it's so prevalent. 
I mean, well, it, well, it's so hidden. Why do you think that's the that's the one Satan uses? No one. I don't think it's just that one. No, it's not. But uh, no one is equipped on how to deal with that perversion of sorts. Um, no one knows how to talk about it openly without fear of uh, some type of punishment or um, something happening. I know my abuser of sorts will oftentimes instill messages of secrecy. And I always tell people that, you know, the strength of sin is secrecy. Mm -hmm. You know something is in the dark. But um, would always tell me, you know, if you tell somebody you're going to ruin me, or uh, if you tell somebody I'm going to hurt your mom, or if you tell somebody then you're going to break up this family. So you get these messages that become a part of self and and so it it's very difficult to kind of reach out and say hey here's my pain point because there's so much shame and guilt and fear that's built into you know being abused mm-hmm. um as far as the b- abusers themselves um they are either conditioned to be that way or concerned with power and control mm-hmm. that's and that's, satan, that's, satan is aware of that so maybe that's right why. and that's the the self Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being too intertwined in, in things where God needs to be, where they're trying to um, heal a perversion through sexual reaction on other people versus uh, turning to God for it. So mm-hmm. I like to bring up Psalms 119, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, he talks about uh you have afflicted me uh, so that I might understand your statutes. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody turns towards God when they're going through That's pain, right. mm-hmm. which is why abusers and manipulators exist, right. because they become inundated with numbing the pain through carrying out a perversion. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm telling you what, this has just been a full, full hour. I. I'm coming away from this, Clyde, thinking to myself, you know what? I need to open more books than I've already opened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I need to learn more stuff. Absolutely. Man. I'm coming away from it thinking that and, and also that I've got to get her over to my church. There you go. There you I, go. I've got to get Amen. her. To, I'm going to do a mental health seminar. I try to do. I've, I've done them before. Okay. Uh, but God knows my heart about mm-hmm. it. I'm going to get her over. going to pay her well. All right. And get her over there. She She should. She should she should live of what she's doing. This mm-hmm. is her gift to the earth, mm-hmm. and she should be compensated for it. Absolutely, I'm going to get her over to the church and uh, and get her into some ministry and and let her help me mm. do ministry at my church. Mm. This is essential mm. essential stuff. And we're so happy uh, that you've been here today. If you had 30 seconds to tell everybody, hey, this this is what I want you to to walk away with today. Uh, from my voice to your ears, commission only, mm. what would you say? I would say learn to take your thought life seriously. Mm. Do not underestimate the power of the types of thoughts you keep about you and your world um, because they do, much like it says in the Bible, thoughts become manifested in behaviors. Mm-hmm. And whatever you think is a lot of times what you start to do. Mm. And if you go about life, with negative thought patterns, then that's what you cultivate here on earth. Mm. So I would say start to really pay attention to the thoughts that you keep Mm. and start to give language uh, to healthier ways of coping, Mm. healthier ways of understanding uh, your human experience. Mm. 
This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, you've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio, Clyde Posley, Mark Echo, and we are glad to have been a part of your life today. If you're listening to us on the podcast, we'll look forward to uh, getting some reactions from you online, and we will have those uh, streams up later on today. We will come back next week and talk with Ashley Gervitz from Eastern Star, and we're going to talk about their great initiative called The Rock. But until then, we'll look forward to that time, and have a great week.